Friend, the doors for What Makes Women Feel Beautiful close this Thursday, June 29th. Do not miss this moment. Go to hillaryrushford.com slash beautiful and join us with an incredible launch discount while you still can. That's hillaryrushford.com slash beautiful. I cannot wait to get to know you personally inside. You are going to love the way you feel here. And now on with the show. Welcome. What was that? You're welcome. With Hillary Rushford. Say it again. You're welcome. In advance. Hello, beautiful. I'm going to keep today's chat a little short as we released a limited time bonus episode of my keynote speech, if you are listening to this live, and that is live for just a couple more days. I also hosted a Q&A, and we sent out the replay to that if you were on our email list. So with the doors to What Makes Women Feel Beautiful closing in less than 48 hours, if you were following along in real time, then you've got plenty to listen to. But I did want to personally share just a few of the changes that I've been reflecting on as I've been having conversations with you in DMs over the last week or so. Things that I've been experiencing in my life over the last handful of years of studying, exploring, researching, asking the questions of what makes women feel beautiful. And I've been talking to a alum of Style and Stylability, which was my first style course at the time that I created back in 2013. And then I re-recorded it in 2014. And they were asking what's different inside this program. And I said, if what I created in 2014 had been enough for me, I would have moved on to something else. I have plenty of things in my business that I've taught once or I've taught for a handful of years. And then I felt satisfied with them. They weren't interesting to me personally anymore. And as a teacher, that's really what I love teaching are things where I'm not 10 years ahead of you and I've got it all solved. And now I'm just teaching beginners and I am advanced. I'm really on the journey with you because they're the complex issues of life. So my Elegant Excellence Journal, the Healing Burnout Course, and now What Makes Women Feel Beautiful, that's true of all of those. They are all things that I use on a daily basis, and they are all complex areas in which I am still looking to grow. So I needed more than what I had available to me in my wisdom when I created Style and Stylability. I needed another 10 years of wisdom to really break through to a new level of healing, peace, comfort, confidence in my body and my beauty. And though I'm 10 years older than I was at that point, and culture unfortunately makes aging harder on us. And so the data should show that it would be right that I would be a little bit less confident um, as you know my body and my skin starts to change, my hair starts to thin and all of the things. But it's remarkable to me how much better I feel because of this work. And I'm going to share some small anecdotes of how I judge those changes. You know, when you look back in your life, you have times you're like, I forgot I used to do this, or I remember this one time. And those really serve as the anchors that remind us we we have grown. We got used to it. This feels like our new normal. And there may not have been some 
big mile marker like graduating from college, getting married, having a baby. But we have these deeply important areas of change and healing in our lives. And so I want to share a few that I have been reflecting on, and they may be different than the ones that come up for you, but I hope they spark awareness for you of what it is that you do do. Where is the insecurity versus the peace showing up? Where is there more growth awaiting you if you had education, wisdom, mindset, research, tools, principles to help you navigate these areas? Where have you been sort of doing the same thing for a while? Or it's feeling hard. It's not going well. It's not making you feel particularly good or great. And we'll talk about good and great in a minute here. But I, a couple of my examples. I used to wake up for so many years in the morning and check on my skin because I had very bad acne. And so it was either checking to see had it gotten worse overnight, had it gotten better overnight. You know, I, I put something on it last night. I'm hopeful. Oh, I saw that it was coming in last night. I'm, I'm worried. And I had really painful cystic acne. And I healed that, I believe, because I healed my burnout. Like that was the only thing that really changed in my life. And I didn't actually realize that I was struggling to put my finger on it. I kind of thought it was something else that I had done and I'd asked my doctors and they were like, no, it doesn't really make any sense. And then just about a year ago, I my book died. You've heard about that in um, my book story. And it was just a horrible period of grief after an already really traumatic year. And I remember two weeks later, it was like right around this time, I was headed to a trip with my family in July that we're going on again this year. And I had the most painful cystic acne. Like if you have had that, you know, it's it's just like so deep and it hurts so badly. It's so wide. And so I Googled, I was like, can this be brought on by stress? And yes, yeah, the cortisol, the adrenaline, like that absolutely makes sense. So I think I just was creating so much of that in my body over the years that my face, and that makes sense. It, it tracked then because I'd my face had never been worse than a month before we eloped. There was a bunch of variety of stressful situations going on behind the scenes in addition to um, being crazy and planning two weddings. But my face was hideous the month before uh, my wedding. And it's because I was so incredibly stressed. Like all of that was pumping through my body. So I, I then made a change in my life. I healed my burnout and which was a variety of things from the Elegant Excellence Journal, from the Healing Burnout Course, so many different layers and levels of that that led to, oh, this area of insecurity I, I don't have anymore because I've healed on the inside. I'm now feeling more beautiful on the outside. Then I got into where I was checking my skin at night. And I was frustrated that I yet again hadn't done a full skincare routine. Like I've purchased these expensive tools for, you know, electrocurrents and microdermabrasion or whatever. And I've watched the videos on how to do your facial massage and I've got the gua sha tool, but I just wasn't doing them at night. I was too tired. And I finally was like, this is a loop that you're stuck in. You you feel badly about yourself every night that you haven't done this. So let's open up our Elgonex and Stroll. Let's get to the bottom of this. And I just realized that it was the fear and the shame is where is what I was really focused on. I should have done this. I haven't worked hard enough to do this. I, future me is going to be disappointed that present me didn't work harder. It wasn't coming because I thought this would 
add joy to my life. It was like, I'm trying to resist the negativity of disliking my skin in the future. I'm not thinking about it as I'm enjoying this process. This makes me feel more beautiful. This makes me feel like I'm taking care of myself. In the future, I'm going to feel even better. And yet I actually was caring for myself and feeling more beautiful. I was just doing it in other ways. That I feel more beautiful when I rest at night. I had gotten into really having a great wind down routine, really shutting off from work, realizing after that that I sleep better, which absolutely is going to affect my skin as well. I feel more beautiful after having healed my burnout, which means letting more things go and accepting that I'm never going to be able to do it all. So I actually had gone to the things that were naturally feeling better. And so for now, I decided washing my face, putting on my serums and my moisturizer, that is enough. And we ask this question a lot in my teaching. What is the definition of enough? What would be enough work on my skin that I would feel good enough, that aging would feel easy enough, that I would feel beautiful enough? What is a small enough body, you know, hard enough work? So because of this teaching, I'm better at realizing that I will never be able to do everything in all the ways. If I don't define it for myself, I will never, culture will never give me that definition of enough. And therefore, it will always make me feel like a failure. And instead, I am refocusing on what is the the amount of energy I have to give and what's the best choices I can make with that. And that at this time means I'm not doing all the bells and whistles on my face, but my face is pretty good when I look back at where it was and how my stress was causing me to feel so much more insecure about it. And when I compare it to my past growth, then I realize I actually feel incredible peace and pride in how I am caring for myself holistically now. Many years ago, I tried a cleanse with my best friend. And I have such a distinctive memory. I was at this miserable desk job. You may have heard me refer to it as the place where dreams go to die. This you know, cubicle with horrible fluorescent overhead lighting and a big real estate office on the Upper East Side. And I just distinctly remember that week of doing this cleanse. I brought all these pre-portioned snacks. And that it's all I could think about all day was food. When, when could I eat again? What time was it? Rationing the carrot sticks, rationing like the little things that I, the, the things that I'd brought. What, what time, if it was two o'clock, could I eat it now? Or was I going to be too hungry at four? Cause I wasn't going to be home until six. And I remember saying to her at the time, I'm realizing the more I try to control it, the more control I give it. I knew that I was making me even more fixated on it. But what I realized looking back recently But what I realized looking back recently is that also I was so miserable at that job. I didn't have any meaningful, captivating, interesting work that I could get into flow on. So I had all this brain space, all this time that was just left to focus on whatever I was fixated on, which was my weight and food. And so that took up such a huge portion of my day because there wasn't anything else interesting vying for my attention. 
Many years earlier than that, I tried, there was a like lemon juice and cayenne pepper cleanse. Ugh. It was like I was reading some book by Gwyneth Paltrow and her doctor at the time. This was, gosh, so many years ago. I was doing the Radio City Rockettes in Toronto, and I was just depressed and desperate. I, I, I was the largest girl in the cast. I hated the way that I felt in my body. Like I knew it didn't look good. This cleanse that I was trying to do was disgusting. So it's like now I'm just treating my body worse in a different way. It, instead of overeating and feeling bad, now I'm trying to starve it with gross food. It's no more compelling, so it still doesn't stick. And then a few years ago, Jeremy and I did a cleanse together. And this one wasn't about big weight loss. I, I wasn't hating my body at that point. I wasn't deeply depressed in my body. It was a doctor saying that it would my holistic functional medicine doctor saying that it would help me with resetting after this burnout. And um, it felt so different. Not only were the shakes were not disgusting, so I didn't feel like I was doing something awful to my body, but I, I, I hated my body less to begin with. And then also, I was now running my company and I was in work that I could get into flow on. So my day wasn't really about food anyways. There was so much else that I was interested in and captivated by and thinking about that I wasn't just fixated on when is the next time that I can eat? How am I denying myself? And so I realized as I reflected on these that it wasn't just one thing. It wasn't about how I felt on cleanses or whether cleanses worked. It was about whether I was doing it from a place of depression and desperation or kindness and hopefulness, whether I was miserable overall in the rest of my life or enjoying the rest of my life. And this was just one small part of it. Whether losing weight was the number one focus of my day, or I was mostly focused on a lot of other things. I had a relationship, and I had work, and I had all these different things. My body was just one part of it. The reason it felt so different when I had what could be categorized as a similar experience of going on some cleanse or changing the way that you were eating was my whole life together. It wasn't just that one area. And that's what we are all about in the teaching of what makes women feel beautiful. That's what has worked for me over the years is the combination and the compilation of a lot of different things that when you try them just one-off, when you are just fixated on trying to heal your skin from the outside, when you were just fixated on doing a cleanse to try to lose 10 or 20 pounds, all of your focus is there and it's not the whole answer because if there are, or not if, there are 10 threads creating this knot within us that is leaving us feeling not wholly peaceful and at home in our bodies and ourselves and comfortable and confident in where we are. There's 10 threads that are causing that knot. And when we just pull it one, it's pointless because all the other threads still have a hold on us. And that's why so many different things that we try, we try to work with a personal stylist when there's no other change going on. I had someone on our Q&A call say, I worked with a stylist, it was expensive, but like it, it worked for a little while, but that was a few years ago and I guess I don't really feel it anymore. And I said, well, that's probably because, I don't know your session with them, but I'm guessing they were really working with you on 
outfits and items. And now that the dopamine has worn off those outfits and items, or maybe your body has changed, or your style has changed, or your lifestyle has changed, they didn't really leave you with an education and understanding. It wasn't really a holistic approach. You weren't also thinking about your mindset and all these other elements. So now you would need to bring them back to, to do that again every year or so to keep going. You just pulled at the one thread, which was outfits and items, and it didn't make enough of a difference. So my approach instead is that you work on all the threads at the same time, a little at a time, and each one creates a little space and a little space and a little space, and then the knot starts to get looser. I was thinking about how I used to order dresses that I thought were so cute, but they probably wouldn't work on my stomach, which if we're new friends, my stomach has always been my area of insecurity. It's not flat. It's never been flat since high school. Because I have a small chest, my stomach protrudes more than my chest. So that's what makes it feel more imbalanced. If I had a larger chest, I would probably be less fixated on my small stomach. This is true for most of us. Most of us, it is the balance within our bodies that if one thing was different, you would feel less insecure about that area. But I talk about this in my teaching with a friend that I had go through this actually with plastic surgery. Um, if you changed that thing to balance out your body, there would prob- there would then be another thing that you were fixated on. And we talk about the data and the research as to why this is. But I, because that's my area, I would order these dresses that I didn't think were going to work on me, but hope that maybe I was wrong because I thought they were so cute. And what I was so fixated on, I realized, was the scarcity of... I would see all these dresses that I couldn't wear. I can't wear that. I can't wear that. I can't wear that. And then I would feel scarce and desperate. And I'd be like, well, maybe that one. So I'd order it. Would not look good on me. I would feel super discouraged. So now I look closer when I'm online shopping and I only order if I'm really honest that I do think that dress might swing, not cling um, in that area. Now I focus more on the things that will work for me. And I, I get less scarce over the things that won't because I know now that everybody is so unique. Everybody has things that they can and can't wear. Now, some bodies have more than others, but everybody has something. And even people in what we might think are ideal bodies would be able to tell you, oh yeah, that thing doesn't work on me. That th- I love that color, but it just doesn't work on me. I love that this, but it just isn't right on me. So I still order plenty of clothes that I try on and they do not work because our bodies are so unique and there is so little that you can tell from a photo. This is often the reality of shopping. But I order far less that doesn't work just because of my stomach. And therefore, when the clothes don't work, I'm not fixated on the fact that my body is wrong. My body is the problem. And if only my body were different, getting dressed would be easier for me. Now I'm just like, yeah, shopping's hard for all of us because God gave us these magically unique and different bodies and there's 20 bazillion different proportions on uh, all the curves of a woman's body. And yeah, there's like little you can tell from a photo. So I didn't realize, I don't really like this kind of scratchy once it gets here. I couldn't have known that. So I give myself more grace that that just is the process and I'm less fixated on my body being the problem. So it's a more pleasurable experience overall. And there's so many components in this. I learned to trust my style 
that there's enough in my style. I learned to focus on what will work for me versus what won't. I learned to stop setting myself up for disappointment, wishing my body looked different, and instead, I accept her. I know that no body is perfect. I know how to dress her. That absolutely helps. I know the things that are going to work better in not just my body, but also my lifestyle. We talk about this in the teaching. I walk you through a dress I purchased recently and the eight things that I actually realized were going on in there, which is why it was a good investment for me. I know all those little things now. It was a, you know, just like a couple minutes of thought for me to get there to know, oh yeah, I feel good in this purchase. And I had a feeling that I would even when I ordered it. And then I made more peace with my body. I now want to make her feel good. I want to order clothes that I'm confident she's going to feel good in when they get here. So shopping is so much less frustrating because of all these different elements. And again, it doesn't necessarily mean that I'm not buying and returning a ton of stuff, but I've realized that isn't the the main definition of winning. The main definition of winning is not feeling like crap about your body when you go to try on the things and all the different elements that went into that. I used to wear makeup every day, um, you know, pretty full makeup to go work from coffee shops or co-working spaces. And I've shared before that part of it I've realized is that I was single. And if you are single, I absolutely understand the mindset that it's like you could have a meet cute at any moment. You could meet someone at any time. And so there can be this sense of I wouldn't want to not feel confident saying hi to someone. I wouldn't want to not feel like I put my best foot forward. So that was definitely part of it. The acne was part of it for sure when I was more insecure about my skin. The habit also was just part of it. My mom puts on makeup every day. I think I was living with roommates that put on makeup every day. And then between getting into a relationship, I stopped working at co-working spaces. We moved to this home. I had an in-home office. Then we were in the pandemic. We saw even less people. Everyone was home. Everyone started wearing Many people started wearing less makeup, not everyone. Um, the healing my skin, you know, I just I just stopped wearing it as often. And I realize now I'm more used to my bare face. I'm more comfortable in it because I'm sim- I simply do it more. And comfort usually is what we're used to. Even if you're doing something unhealthy. It's the devil you know versus the devil you don't. It can be harder to walk away from that thing because we just know it. We are comfortable with it. We've gotten into um, a, a habit groove with it, and we're, we're comfortable for that with that being our relationship. And so now I'm just more used to seeing myself with bare skin. And so it got me thinking that you know there were habit grooves that might not be Examine. There might be things that I'm doing that I've always done that I haven't rethought and revisited. Is this really making me happy? Is this really necessary? I learned that I can need less than I think. I can save time. I can save money. I can save putting more toxins on my skin and feel more beautiful. I learned that easier and less can feel better and can feel empowering. I actually feel more confident and mature that I can leave the house without makeup on. Like I feel more confident 
that I need less on the outside and externally to make me feel good about myself while also loving makeup and having no problem with makeup. It's just that I realize I don't need it now to feel beautiful. It's one option that I can play with to feel beautiful. I used to analyze my body. And I'm sure I'm not alone in having done this. You know, seeing how it looks from this angle or that when you're in a swimsuit or underwear or you're naked or you're in different outfits. You know, was it drooping more? Was it losing firmness? Was it more round? And now I just know that I'm this size-ish. Like unless something major changes, there's going to be something big like an illness This is just me. I mean, there's going to be some slow shifts over the years. Our bodies do evolve as they age. But this has been my body for years. Me analyzing it in the mirror, it's not going to have changed that much from yesterday or last week or even last month, again, unless something huge has changed. If I went through a deep grief, then yes, my body may have changed. If I went through an injury or an illness. But those moments are much more rare. If we're doing the the body analysis and the microchecks, we are really just looking to see if anything miraculously or shockingly has changed in the last week, and the answer is always no. Otherwise, I just do me. I mean, 10 pounds up or down, and this is still going to be about my body size. Really, whether you're a small, medium, large, whatever your general body size is, 10 pounds up or down people still see you as exactly the same size because all they're seeing you as is like, I don't know, she's a medium. Like you have to have a a substantive change for you to no longer be seen as a medium. And so when we're paying attention on a daily, weekly basis, it just doesn't change. I learned that the only one overanalyzing my body like that was me. And the analyzing didn't change anything. It just kept me fixated on what wasn't right or worrying that it might not be right soon if I didn't keep paying attention. I learned to be vigilant. And instead, over the last few years, I became easier in my relationship with her, with my body. And she didn't change. I was right. It's like nothing, you know, miraculously changed overnight. I just got that time back. I got that mental space. I got that closing the energy leak of feeling badly about myself because there's, when you're analyzing in the mirror, even if you're like, oh, this is looking good, you're still telling yourself, but it wouldn't, I would not feel happy if it was feeling bad. So you're still opening up that anxiety. I just feel better in her because I focus on my body when I'm putting on a cute outfit. And because I know what clothes feel good, that's generally a positive experience. Now, I may still be looking at the way it fits my body, the proportion, the shape, but I'm not analyzing, you know, whether my my butt is sagging in this. I'm analyzing like, yeah, do I think that this crop of pant is good with this shoe? Do I prefer this tucked or untucked? Is this do these pieces feel like they go together? I'm seeing them on my body, but it's so much more focused on the joy and the creativity and the expression of clothes and seeing my body as one whole piece of artwork walking down the street rather than analyzing those little parts. And all of these examples are 
years after I started implementing my principles as a stylist, I had known those for a long time. They're after many years, after I had stopped overeating and loathing my body as a dancer. So at the time that I'm reflecting on these these experiences from a handful of years ago, I was quite healthy, or I thought I was quite healthy. But I realized, I shared this on the podcast, I think in the fall, I went to see my acupuncturist And he, uh, it was like my first visit, and he asked how my energy levels were. And I said, pretty good. And then I said, but as I say that, I realize I only am comparing that to my past energy levels. So if this is the best energy I felt, it could still be like 40%. Maybe I don't know what good energy feels like. If I could transport myself into someone else's body, I might realize in an instant, oh my gosh, this is the kind of energy that other people are feeling. I had no, I had no idea that my definition of good was like 40% and like 80% should be good. 95% should be great. What I'm saying is I, I've been at 10% now. And I'm at 40%. But that's my whole spectrum. I'm like thinking, oh yeah, I was at 30% before. And I'm at like, yeah, 85%. I'm feeling pretty good. But that's because it's only my lived experience. If I actually could drop into the collective lived experience or the lived experience of someone that is healthier and more healed than I am, suddenly I might realize, oh my gosh, that wasn't 85. That was like 40. There is so much more. There is so much better that I could feel. And so I was feeling good at the time. And you may look back to a past time in your life and be like, oh, I am so much better than I was then. I was in the throes of an eating disorder. I was so insecure about my body postpartum. I was so insecure when I was in high school and I had acne, like whatever these different times are. You can look back and say, oh, I'm, I'm doing a lot better than I was then. Or maybe you aren't. Maybe you're like, I actually am at one of my lowest points right now. I know that I've been better. But even those better times that you have felt or whether you feel the better times now, can you also consider the idea that that actually might just be 40% of what's possible and that there could be something more. There could be something better that women who are healthier and more healed are experiencing that is available to you. And that's the the inkling, the inner knowing that I started to feel where I'd 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 healed the the desperate self-loathing of my body. I'd become a stylist, I'd articulated these style principles. I was feeling more empowered. I'd created this style course. 10,000 women went through it. The transformations were amazing. They were loving it. But a handful of years after that, I felt like there was something more. If you've heard me tell the story of Helen, this Kenyan woman, I talked about it in my, my keynote speech, but she knew that beautiful was missing for her. And it wasn't because she had TV or models. She wasn't comparing herself to anyone else around her. She just knew that when she didn't have water and when she was dirty and dusty, she didn't feel beautiful. She knew there was something more, even though she wasn't seen modeled because no other women in her village also had access to clean water. She had no access to media to know other people had that. It was truly just an innate knowing. 
I think I would feel better if if I also were more clean. That I knew, I Hillary knew that I was missing a deeper inner and outer confidence and peace. And so I sought out that path and that's what became what makes women feel beautiful. And whether you join us in that or not right now, or if it's closed when you hear this, I want to encourage you to reflect on those private moments with yourself. Where have you grown and gotten better? What is it that you're doing today that is analyzing, hating, controlling, wishing, feeling insecure, feeling anxious, worrying, feeling like you're one one step behind other women, one puzzle piece short of what other women know? Where are you doing okay right now, but it would get challenging if you aged, if you were dealing with a postpartum body? Where do you feel that you're at peace because you're better than someone in comparison, not simply because you feel good? Honestly, the reason you feel pretty good is because you're the thinnest of all your friends right now. You just happen to have friends that are all in larger bodies, or you're thinner than your sister, or whatever it is. But if somebody else changed and got more beautiful, then you would feel scarce and insecure. Where do you know in your gut that you could feel better, that there's more peace than this? There's women that seem to have it. You've been around them. You've been in a meal with them where they weren't fidgeting, where they just seemed peaceful. You, they, 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 they might have a larger body than you. You might not feel they are particularly stylish, but there's just a peacefulness in them. Or maybe they do seem incredibly healthy and incredibly well-dressed, and you're like, she just seems to have a confidence that I don't think I quite have. Tell yourself the truth. And then go out there and find it. Because friend, I cannot tell you how good it feels to feel at peace in your body and your thoughts and feel confident in yourself. And I am still on the journey. I know there's deeper levels I haven't gotten to yet. I am still sinking more into what makes women feel beautiful because these are decades of indoctrination. So for me, even a few years of living in this, I know I have not counteracted an entire lifetime of that indoctrination. I know that I'm going to feel better and I'm going to feel better. And that part of aging, when I think about it like that, I am sort of excited about because I realize in one year, three years, five years, 10 years, I'm going to have more and more of this healing. I'm going to be shining even more. I'm going to have more of that je ne sais quoi of someone who is so becoming and alluring and you wonder what is it that she has. And that then is going to allow me to make women feel so welcome to be at peace with themselves in my presence because I'm totally at peace with myself and that's what I am welcoming here. So cast that vision. Who do you want to be in 10 years? As a mother, a mentor, a grandmother, a thought leader, it's time to go deeper. There is so much more healing and breakthrough awaiting you. And in my experience, so far, every new layer feels so delicious. You can't wait to lean into the work and learn what's next, to peel back more of the layers of the culture dust 
that's dimming the divine relationship between you and your best, most authentic, wise self. She is gorgeous, and I can't wait for you to meet her and introduce the rest of us. Oh, wait. One more thing. Don't miss this. Before you go, love. P.S. Something I'm loving lately is my team. I just, as we come to a close in this inaugural offer of What Makes Women Feel Beautiful, the first time we're ever welcoming members inside, it takes so many people to bring you what we do here at Dean Street Society. I actually made a little list for you. We have a project manager, marketing director, community manager, customer service lead, content manager, marketing tech, email tech. We've had two web developers on this uh, project. Uh, controller, who's over our finances. We also had an outside photographer. That was a team of two. Videographer, that was a team of two. Hair, makeup, a set runner, uh, editor of the videos, a graphic designer, an illustrator, plus me. I think that's 21 people to bring you what makes women feel beautiful. And I think most people probably think it's me and a few people, but it truly takes a village to bring you the depth and breadth of teaching across so many mediums. And I'm so grateful that I get to create jobs for people doing work that matters and that helps people. When I reflect back in my story, that has absolutely played a huge role in making me feel beautiful, was first having a job that was so about was I tall enough? Was I thin enough? Like all these different things about my body as a dancer. And then being in, in work after that, that I was so unfulfilled by, it's like I, I had all this time just to think and fixate on my body and my appearance. But having work that is meaningful is such a key part of what makes women feel beautiful. It's not something that we cover inside the course, but we do talk about the, the holistic elements of our lives and that as you feel more beautiful, you go and create a life that's more beautiful. As you create a life that's more beautiful, you feel more beautiful. It is this wonderful cyclical and symbiotic relationship. So I also want to say if you are one of our students, you create those jobs as well. You support these other women in feeling beautiful, which allows us to create this work that makes other women feel beautiful. This is also part of how we create the process and affect so many lives. That team wouldn't exist if this was just a free podcast and an Instagram. We would not be able to help so many women so deeply if we didn't have the resources to create these programs and products and communities. But our students is how we've been able to build a well in Charity Water. Ours is in Tigray, uh, Ethiopia, and we talked about that in the keynote and so many other things over the years that we've been able to do to support others. So I am thankful for you if you are a student as well and part of this. And I'm thankful for you if you are here knowing you want to become a student and waiting for the day that you can do that. And in the meantime, I am so grateful to be able to help you here on the podcast and over on Instagram. So I will see you over there very soon. And I'll see you back here next Wednesday. You're welcome in advance. next Wednesday.